Thompson for an hour. I'd rather fuck a blood relative. Yo, yo, yo. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to A. Thompson and Other Disappointments on Monday, the 13th of February. It's, uh, it's five past one. It's my it's my goddamn lunch break and I'm coming out to you guys. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, let's let's start this. Let's start this shit, shall we? Uh, how, how are you all doing? How like what's going on? What's going on, people listening to this on Apple Podcasts and YouTube later on and Spotify and uh, all of the other places, weird and wonderful places that this uh, this podcast emerges. Um, I'm back. I'm alive. Um, this is episode 151 um, of your twice-weekly dose of politics and dystopia. Um, coming to you from the aftermath of the shittiest town in Hampshire, Aldershot, twinned with purgatory um if it's your first time checking out the show welcome what's up uh pull up a pew crack open a beer uh, i don't care if it's one o'clock in the afternoon as indeed it is right now as i'm recording this uh, it's a monday all right it's hard life is hard just you know do what you need to do to get by right and if that means listening to me evoking some depressive catharsis you know, or you pulling back the ring pull of a 6% craft ale before your girlfriend's even back from her brunch or lunch date or whatever. You know, so be it. That's fine. It's a, it's a shit, sick, corrupt world we live in these days. And I am here to effectively host it for you now <laughs> for the next next hour, at least. Um, like fucking, you know, like I'm Willy Wonka dancing around, you know, like pointing out the awfulness. <laughs> Dancing and singing, like cruelty all around me and somehow taking pleasure in it, hosting it, trying to make it entertaining for you. I, I quite like that image, you know, like me with a top hat and a cane pointing at the new COVID variant and uh, what, like opioid overdoses and a declining birth rate over here. Just, you know, prancing along to the rhythm of the doom lols. That is the vibe here. That is this show. It is a gallows humour central, like, you know, like we're all fucked. Now sit and drink with me. So where did we leave off last week, man? Where did we, uh, what were we talking about last? Oh, fuck. Actually, first, let's talk about the first and possibly the last ever Riot Society event that took place in Soho, London on Friday, just gone. That was, it was pretty good. It was lots of fun. Um, you know, the actual event was the the run-up to it the organization thereof utterly fucking abysmal um which i you know what i don't want to speak ill of people or trash people or, well i do kind of a little bit but i'll I see how this show goes you know might go off on a tangent bit of a rant about it but um but anyway the night itself was it was lots of fun i woke up next morning feeling pretty um uh well i mean not pretty i can confirm that Pretty exhausted, pretty painful, maybe, but not aesthetically pretty. In fact, quite fucking far from it, <laughs> I can assure you. Not pretty, in fact. I mean, you're always your own worst critic, aren't you? You know, 
some of you listening to this might be thinking, oh, I'm sure you didn't look that bad, Aid. I'm sure you were, you know, pretty in your own way to someone out there. No, I am I'm confident in saying that the state that I was in when I woke up on Saturday after the gig was, you know, you know, right? Like, if you find that physically attractive, something happened to you. Like, your childhood was a bookshelf full of sad stories for you to find what I look like on Saturday morning somehow sexually attractive. Because I was objectively awful. Just sweaty, hungover, bloodshot eyes, pale, gaunt-looking. Like, I went too far. I'm not, you know, I'm not used to it anymore. That's the, that's the problem. I'm 42. I could... I could barely handle it in my peak, you know, like back in the day, like the, the, the beer years. I don't know why I thought, you know, middle aged me would be able to just skate through a few bevoirs and, and be unscathed the next morning. That was a that was a, a miscalculation on my part. But I don't know. Do you like do you think there are people out there who'd honestly say how I looked on Saturday morning was hot because I sincerely doubt that. I know that's a weird question. Like, you know, maybe maybe you're checking out this show for the first time and you're thinking, what, what the fuck? Like, I thought this was supposed to be about politics. Why is this guy like, you know, vomiting out his insecurities like this? Because the alcohol has made me sensitive and I need some reassurance. OK. <laughs> but yeah, do you think do you think there's actually people out there who have a thing for hungover 42-year-old men. You know, it'd be a bit of a weird, um, weird kink, wouldn't it? But almost certainly be, like, rooted in, um, you know, growing up in a shit situation where your desperate single mother clung on to some useless piece of shit guy because she couldn't afford to leave him. Then he was always drunk, but you were a kid, so you never saw him drunk and, you know, happy in the evening. or That was past your bedtime. But when you were awake in the morning, playing with dolls or watching cartoons or, you know, that was when you saw him. And then he was hungover, looking awful. And so now, you know, through that experience in your childhood, you've normalised it. So now when you see that, to you, your brain, your like your brain associates that with, you know, the unit and the relationship and say, wow, I'm going really deep on this. Aren't I? I'm sorry, guys. This is uh, quite a tangent. Clearly, after a big night, my brain is really, you know, willing to go the lengths and depths required <laughs> to convince me I'm not totally disgusting to the entire planet. That is, I, I think, what that tangent was about. Anyway, look, I guess what I'm saying is I did not look pretty after the gig. Uh, did we get that? Did I get that point across? I looked quite unwell and tired and haggard. Um, just, you know, ugh. I, I sent my girlfriend a picture of my face on Saturday morning from uh, like from the hotel. And she was like, wait, did you did you do cocaine last night? <laughs> I was like, no, no, I did not. Like, this is this is just how I look now, apparently. Like, you know? Like, I look like I've been doing drugs even when I haven't touched them. And I've just had a few beers. Just haggard as fuck, you know? Like, anyone that's listening to this who's, like, you know, late 20s or early 30s, the struggle is real. Your tolerance does decline. Drinking does get worse. Or your ability to handle it, at least. Because hangovers now, at 42, 
make me look as bad as cocaine did when my girlfriend and I first met when I was like 31. And it's kind of funny because like when when I used to get wrecked and I'd like I'd host a stand up night back in the day, I'd stay out, I'd get annihilated. And then like my girlfriend would see me and the ravaging of the drugs and booze that night, like back then when I was 31, that would age me like 10 years. Right. I would look 10 years older than I actually. And now it is legitimately 10 years later and just a few beers leave me looking just as bad. Like it kind of adds up. Doesn't it? The maths are fine with that. I think. Anyway, so yeah, it was it was fun. Um, the uh, the riot society gig, uh, but I did. I felt like a right twat because I was talking to um, uh, the comedian Ashley Hayden. Uh, we booked him for the night, and he's you know he's great. He's dark. He's ranty. He's like me, but better. You know, he's visceral. He's acerbic, and uh, and anyway, he did he did his set. And it was fun. And then we were talking about like booze and alcohol tolerance, like after we'd come off stage and and he's like, oh, you know, my tolerance is shit now. And, you know, because it's been like 10 years since he and I were first gigging together. And, and we used to stay behind and have a few beers like back in the day. And he was such a booze hound. And anyway, now he's like, you know, my tolerance has just disappeared. And and I was like, oh, really? Like, because my my tolerance is pretty good these days you know like mostly because i self-medicate my way through the weekend parenting you know like i built up a tolerance that way (laughs) but you know like saturday boom sunday but like i've done tiktoks and tweets about this um so apologies to any of you who've heard me say or indeed slur this stuff before about how i'm you know i'm like honest i'm a better dad after three o'clock on a saturday (laughs) because that's when they start getting tired and crabby but that's when i start knocking them back like i'm on a fucking stag weekend you know like i'm not even joking it is it's like liquid calmness every weekend crack open a cold one like go go gadget patience <laughs> like the kids are badgering me the girlfriend's trying to talk to me about something or other the, the bathroom's fucked we we've got to drive drive to kettering or something on Sunday. you know Maybe my dad's trying to ring me on Skype. Like, everything is just flying off. It's just chaos. It's just a house full of Tasmanian devils, right? And I'm getting snappy or overwhelmed or whatever. But just a a little alcohol, you know, a microdose or, or whatever. And I'm, I'm, just, I'm just better at all of it then. It's like magic. I'm carefree. I'm in a good mood for my kids. Like, it's like I'm on holiday, also, it's like instant relaxation, you know, placating the stresses. of. In fact, do you know what? It's not a holiday. It's a placation. That's what it is. So anyway, look, I'm in the bar after our sets. I'm telling Ashley about how my tolerance is, you know, actually pretty good uh, these days, Ashley. Um, sorry to hear that your tolerance has uh, taken a bit of a hit, but my tolerance is actually pretty good. And then honestly, within three and a half hours, I was literally stumbling drunk. I was like absolutely pathetic and not entirely dignified it was like you know beer flowing you know i'm talking nonsense to ashley you know we're we're catching up it was fine like i didn't say anything rude it wasn't a problem i didn't need looking after or anything but yeah i was just just fucking hammered um so yes i can assure you dear listeners that if you were not able to make it to the first and possibly last ever riot society show if you weren't able to make it and you were wondering how it went, 
that's how it went. Well, that's how I went. I had to bail at about half past one to go back to my hotel room with a sack full of McDonald's. Looking like some, you know, horrendous divorcey cliche. <laughs> it was like, do you know what it's like? It's like a glimpse of what my life will be like when Lucy regains her senses and leaves me. That's kind of what it was, it was like. You know, like I imagine her at some point finally reaching the end of her tether. You know, she's like, fuck this piece of shit. Kids, get your shit. Come on, we're going. Like that, that moment, that inevitable moment that's definitely happening. And that's the thing, man. Like, you know, I'm 42. I'm stumbling out of this, you know, ostensibly what is a comedy club, I guess. You know, I'm hammered. I go and get McDonald's. I go back to my hotel room and it's just this little dinky, like, but basically a police cell or a jail cell. It's just so small. It's like a converted cupboard. And it's just, it's like a glimpse of what my life will be like when I end up in a, you know, post-marriage, divorcee, you know, bedsit thing. It's strange, isn't it? Because, like, like, the different perception that you have of somebody uh, when they're doing the exact same things, but just 20 years apart like 24 years old if you see someone stumbling a bit with beer in hand having a good time you know that person actually might kind of look a bit cool <laughs> you know like maybe he's celebrating the potential of his life maybe he got a promotion maybe he just met a girl earlier that day and now he's out celebrating you know people understand that people like that even you know, the potential of his life, 24 years old, out with his mates, always had a bit too many. People, that's kind of funny. That's endearing. But 42, stumbling with a beer in hand, you look like you're fucking, you know, going through some things. <laughs> and so, yeah, that is, yeah, there's a definite sort of post-divorce vibe to it, you know. I think, I think that is what my life would be like, though. Like, you know, stand-up gigs, getting hammered shit food bouncing off lampposts at one in the morning you know stumbling back to my room in a shit hotel like like the fucking walls on gooch street are a pinball machine just bong bing bong you know so that was riot society and uh and the stand-up part right stand-up was good fun it was good to be back doing that but then the panel the podcasty bit so if you if you're listening to this for the first time you won't know what Riot Society is, right? It was a night that me, Supertansky, and Danny fucking Price decided to put on as a sort of unique, you know, it's like half comedy, but it's comedy with a conscience. So the second half of the evening was supposed to be like a panel podcast thing, right? Um, and the second half was not actually that fun for me. Like, you know, I don't want it, to, it was nobody's fault, really. Like, it just, it, it didn't ring my bell, you know? I don't know if I'll do that again. Like, we probably should do something like that if, and that is a big if, we do another Riot Society event. But I don't look at it, you know, but I, th I think it's important that we have a space where people can talk and debate and ask questions. But I don't know if I personally will attempt to host it, you know, or if I do, it's, it's not going to be anywhere near as serious because Friday was a bit much. It wasn't fun for me, that part. Which even saying that makes me feel like a 
fucking tosser, you know, like, because it's like not everything has to be fun, Aid, all right? Sometimes things are serious and require a level of responsibility. But then I'm like, yeah, and I self-medicate my way through those things to make them fun. We've been through this. <laughs> are you going to pass me the bottle opener or not? Right? Like that's, yeah, I'm a piss taker. That's what I do. Very little is sacred. My bar is pretty high in terms of what I find defensive or what I think is jokeable about, you know, for want of a better word. And there's a lot of stuff with, you know, the politics-y, commentary, TikTok-y stuff that I do, right, where I do take it seriously because, you know, depending on what the subject is, like, it, a lot of the time it feels so fucking obvious that it needs fixing right so it's easy for me to talk about things like that seriously because they seem you know like brexit or um pr or climate change or institutional racism you know but if i had the choice this is this is where we we actually get down to the nooks and crannies of my psychology if i had the choice out of making a joke that hammered the point home or doing some serious earnest you know point making to a nodding chin stroking crowd i would take the joke every fucking time right <laughs> but the panel wasn't that the panel felt as i've alluded to like a bit much for me you know like stand up great fun you know alexandra Haddow was on ashley hayden was on Danny fucking Price did the emceeing. I did a set. Like, all of that, I think, went pretty well. And it was fun. You know, like, the crowd were a bit heckly, but they were just, you know, getting involved in things. And it was... I had a good time. I really felt like, yeah, man. Oh, God, I miss doing this, you know? But then when the panel started, I don't know, like, purely selfishly, it just felt like... Like, for me, it felt like um, this feels combative, you know? I already spend half my life on Twitter as it is. I don't want to, you know. This feels like some people in the audience are fucking angry about shit. Like they really want to shout their point and make someone else feel bad about it. It was that kind of vibe. It all got a bit question time. <laughs> Which is fine. Like I get that people are hurting. Like, like there was this one lady um, who was a single mother. And she was really frustrated. She was like, you know, what can I do? What can I realistically do? Like, I live in a Tory constituency. I can't move anywhere because of the kids. But every time they vote the Tories in, my life is getting worse, you know? And, and like, I heard that and my heart just sank, you know? Because it's like, that fucking sucks. But there's such little margin for change in that situation. Like, what can you tell or advise someone in that scenario, like, you know, fucking start praying, you know, like there's <laughs> what can that person do when they're dealt those cards? Like, or, you know, what I don't know, get some compromising material on the conservative candidate, maybe, or, or you know, pull your kids out of school and traumatize them so you can jump on a train and live on your friend in London's sofa for two years before you're eligible for a for a place in a Labour constituency. I mean, even then, it's a, what, in a city one with its own set of problems. Like, the, the advice that you can give and the parameters 
that that lady sits in between, if you like. That like the the guidance you could give her that would afford her a change in her situation. All of that is just so narrow or absent, and it just left me feeling like, oh, you know, someone else should be sat here moderating or giving guidance on this. You know, I'm just a piss taker. I just crack jokes. I'm trying to keep the spirits high. You know, like. And, and and then there was this other woman who got out of her seat and came into the aisle and started shouting about centrists and centrism. And I don't know, like it just felt like the goodwill and the fun from the first half just got shit on, you know, <laughs> with this permeating anger and this feeling of not being listened to. Right. And again, like it's fine to voice those opinions and it's certainly fine to feel them but it was just a bit like you know to me it felt like you know aren't we trying to have a fun conversation you know with two guests and a guest host like i thought that's what we were doing here no like are we like did it did the um you know the oh god what now you know those guys did the romaniacs guys did they not did that not get shouted at like this do they have to deal with this sort of you know i guess you would call it heckling Maybe they do. I don't know. Maybe they record theirs on, you know, a Monday night when people are less blitzed on cocktails or. Or I don't know, you know, maybe the other answer to this, maybe or explanation of this, maybe the stand up wasn't actually that good aid. <laughs> it just pissed everyone off. And then and then up came the break. They all went to the bar. They were like, Jesus, that was awful. And then they drank. And then by the time we sat down again for the second section, they were like, right. <laughs> That was shit, lads. Now we're going to give you some shit. Maybe that's what happened. I mean, I don't think that's what happened, but, you know. Anyway, so just to keep this 100% crystal, you know, I don't necessarily have a problem with people voicing their opinion or, you know, speaking their truth and all that, especially when, you know, people like me go, OK, you know, let's get some questions from the audience. That, you know, it's totally fine. We put it out to the audience. Now we should hear what you have to say, right? I just think if it's going to be like that, I personally probably won't do the live panel again. Like, it just isn't fun for me. I think the moderatory stuff is is different to what I enjoy about podcasts. Like, I like stuff like this. I like riffing and roasting and sipping my beer. You know, I don't want to be Fiona fucking Bruce, right? Anyway, look, let's not dwell on that too much. Because it was, honestly, it was a really fun night. Um... You know, the run up to it, the organisation behind it, not so much. <laughs> but the actual night itself, great fun. Um, and yeah, I, do, I don't want to focus too much on, you know, people shouting a little bit in the, in the second half. That was a tiny part of it. Like the stand up in the first half, I think went great. Danny's first time emceeing a gig, I think went really well. He, he got some good laughs, man. For somebody that's never done that kind of shit before, to do that your first time in front of 200 people must be daunting as fuck. So to do it like, you know, no experience. I, I don't know. I heard the laughs that he was getting and I think he did excellent. So I was really pleased with him and also, you know, chuffed for him, if you like. And then Patsy Stevenson, uh, who some of you may know, like from the Sarah Everard uh, vigil uh, last year or year before. I can't remember now. Um, 
she was the lady that was slammed to the floor and she ended up on the front page of all the newspapers and and she came down and she did a like a, a five or ten minute monologue for us and that was really cool too um and then i got shit hammered so yeah it was it was a fun time onwards and upwards um so let's get into some news shall we what's going on out there you know let's do this let's talk for a minute about let's talk about these ufos <laughs> let's get weird cheers um these ufos man like to be honest like the last time there were stories like this in the news it was the silver monoliths that kept springing up everywhere do you remember those i'm gonna say it was about january 2021 maybe that feels about right to me based entirely on the fact that I referenced it in the first episode of this podcast, like when I was just starting it. And I think that was about January 2021. Anyway, and they kept being found, didn't they? Um, uh, it was like, you know, in the middle of a desert and then there was another one over here in a national park and then they vanished. Just poof. And it was like the beginning of a sci-fi movie, right? Like, like, I don't remember what the end game was with that. I think... From, from reading about it this morning, like in, in the loose amount of prep that I do <laughs> for my show, uh, I, I found that it was like one person said it was an art project by some guy who had a terminal illness and then he died and uh, and then, you know, all of it became active or, or something like some, some dead artist guy. And then there was another thing where somebody said it was an art collective, like a guerrilla art collective. I don't know what it's supposed to signify or tell us but that was another theory and um anyway whatever it was that was the last time that a news story to me felt like this but now it's this shit and this is from sky news it says unidentified objects downed over alaska and canada and they're much smaller than the chinese spy balloon white house says how about that, you know? Unidentified objects downed over Alaska and Canada. And and so this should be sort of contextualised, right? Um, with the, the Chinese weather balloon stuff that we've read about over the last couple of weeks. Like these big white spy balloons <laughs> have been appearing. Like one of them got shot down over South Carolina, wasn't it? And everyone was joking, you know, like, why the fuck... Would you be spying on South Carolina? <laughs> and why? And why with a balloon? Like, aren't we supposed to be living in the future, man? You know, like, aren't we supposed to be hacking? And phones, you know, and networks and nuclear codes or, you know, like, what does spying mean to you outside of the context of these fucking Chinese hot air balloons or, or whatever? What does spying, What what's the connotations that you get when I say spying? You think of like, you know, murdering people in Vauxhall and leaving them zipped up in a holdall in a bathtub, right? Or mixing toxins and, you know, poisoning motherfuckers with sushi and tea in Piccadilly Circus. Or Israeli intelligence services installing spyware on celebrities' phone. Like, that is spying in the 21st century. All of that shit. High-tech. Hacking information security you know like all that stuff. wikileaks that's what i think of when somebody says spying 
or even more specifically and perhaps you know more relevant certainly to me but perhaps to some of my followers like how many times have we heard stories about how dangerous tiktok is how it drinks in user information how it's um chinese state affiliated so it could be spying on you guys high tech hacking user data now we're supposed to believe that these fucking balloons a part of a Chinese espionage program. Like, really? <laughs> All that technology and, and, and the world's biggest economy. And you think they're like, yeah, um, send a balloon and, uh, and a guy looking out of it with some binoculars. Like, you fucking idiot. Is that really what we think spying in the 21st century? Like, do you know what it reminds me of? This whole, you know, sort of um, not really plugged into modern technology read of a situation. Do you know what it reminds me of? Um, there was an interview with the journalist, ex-Guardian journalist, uh, and then he started The Intercept, and now I think he just works independently, but his name's Glenn, Glenn Greenwald, right? And I forget it, what, who it was that interviewed him, if it was the BBC, or maybe it was CBS, or so, I, I don't know. Anyway, they were nonchalantly, uh, sort of dismissively uh, saying, like, well, you know, if Mr. Greenwald is worried about someone gaining access to what's on his hard drive i think he should just you know keep it safe and secure in his own bag like they completely missed the point of hacking and information security and compromised corporate data and and glenn greenwell was like this isn't 1999 you know this stuff is in the cloud it perseveres it's it like you hack a server you pull that info anyway like these you know these motherfuckers just live in a time of you know internet dongles and usb hard drives and msn messages and you know i get it the internet was a fun time back then but this is now you know like your user data isn't safe just because you keep something on a usb stick it doesn't work like that anymore we've moved on from that anyway it's kind of similar with this chinese air balloon thing you know you're not going to be safe from chinese espionage just because you shot down a balloon, you know? Like, do we honestly believe a cornerstone of China's geopolitical intelligence program is flying hot air balloons over Carolina? Really? And I've seen some people tweeting about this stuff, you know, like, you know, well, well it's not just any balloon. You know, it's capable of flying close to a to a place and uh you know it's uh, intercepting phone calls and listening to conversations <laughs> and i'm like yeah so so is the u.s government <laughs> so like what what is your point here exactly like you don't like losing your privacy like where have you been <laughs> or, or you don't want u.s government agencies to lose their privacy and if that's the case okay that's that's it guys come on let's that let's wrap up let's call it Irony just died. Irony died at 1.36 on Monday, the 13th of February, 2023. Like, US government agencies don't want to lose their privacy. We are over the event horizon of self-awareness. We are into the vacuum now, people. Honestly. A US agency worrying about its privacy... <laughs> Is like fucking, you know, the Coney 2012 guy worrying about your internet longevity. 
Like, don't don't start, you know, preaching to do the right thing here, bro. You you just haven't had the practice, you know. That was a weird one, wasn't it? The Coney thing. Maybe I'm showing my age a little bit now. That was like 10 years ago. Over 10 years ago, in fact. The Coney thing. Coney 2012. Those guys produced a super slick promo video. Like warning and, you know, raising awareness. Demonizing even this African warlord, right? And it blew up. It was like... I mean, it was like a one-hit wonder of activism, really, wasn't it? It was like, you know, this slick video produced like a, you know, a Michael Jackson music video, like loads of effects and fade-in stuff, and it just exploded. And Rihanna shared it. People fucking donated $30 million to that campaign, right? Hugely successful. Just blew up. And then... One of the main guys behind it just goes out into the street, starts jerking off in broad daylight or some shit. It was just like, what the fuck? How, how do you go from that to this? Wow. That is quite the rebrand. And it's just, you know, you know it's game over when you read about that stuff, don't you? Like, I always, I always thought that was a little bit like... Is this some weird, like, did they give him some drug to make him do that? So he was discredited. So then this Coney guy wouldn't get brought down and then he would continue to sell or buy something from the US. Because that, that to me, like, I wouldn't necessarily, I don't want to get too tinfoil hat about it. But that makes more sense to me than a charity guy at the height of success of his charity campaign decides to go out and completely ruin it by pulling his fucking dick out. Like, what the fuck? How? <laughs> It's a bit like, who was a guy, Michael, my, he was a spy, Michael um, uh, Shaling, was it, or something? He was a spy way back in the day, in like the 90s, and he, uh, un he revealed some secrets about the British establishment, MI6 or MI5 or something, and then within a, like about a year, he was identifying as a, I guess now we would call him or her trans but he then he was confined to a, a mental institution or something i seem to remember and i at that time i was like this is fuck and i was only a kid i was like this is too weird like i believe that he's been compromised and and medicated more than i believe this has just happened as a anyway look i'm going way off on a down a rabbit hole here um but in the in the context of the coney 2012 thing i mean it's quite fun. like there's just no coming back from that is there like if you had a weird jerk off story to you published it doesn't matter what you do as a job you know if there's a weird jerk off story the narrative shifts from you know whatever your actual job is or the content that you produce or whatever you put out or the causes that you're behind the narrative shifts from that and what a nice person or great initiative this is to what a monster you are <laughs> and how we should listen to your survivors right <laughs> It just and there's no way of putting. I mean, unless you're Louis C.K., in which case, you yourself weirdly become a survivor <laughs> of such tabloid history. Like Louis C.K. should change his Twitter bio to "cancel culture survivor." You know, he is the biggest survivor of his own folly, if you like. Anyway, the Coney shit, fucking wild. Like the guy does the video, 
it blows up. It's the biggest thing on Facebook and Twitter and The Guardian and everywhere. And it like evidently the PR campaign gets a bit too much for this fella. And he runs out of his house naked and starts making sex gestures at people. And boom, it's all over. Like it's just dark. Like it's kind of dark, isn't it? You know, that the charity or the initiative or whatever was just nuked by that. It's like, you know, people don't like warlords stealing kids and using them as, you know, sex slaves and child soldiers and, and shit. But they really don't like wanking in public, <laughs> do they? The penis is truly mightier than the child soldier is what we can glean from that whole messy debacle. Like there's something kind of, you know, maybe I'm showing my true colours here, but it's something kind of darkly funny about that. Like, and I'm sorry if that comes off as really callous. I'm sure that it does. I, I don't mean it to. But, like, you know, obviously it's terrible if this Coney guy did what they say he did. But, I mean, it is a little bit funny, too, isn't it? Like, I'm so, you know, I'm sorry they ki kidnapped you and forced you to shoot your best friend to harden you and then sold you to another troop. And, you know, then that troop fucked you. They, like, they, they fucking plowed you to dust. I'm sorry that that happened. But this guy was running around naked in San Diego making rude gestures. And that is just, I mean, there is there is no telling how many lives he's ruined. Like, it's just, like, they could, they could haul Joseph Coney in front of the UN, right, in the Hague, and read through the list of the awful shit that he's done. Kidnapping, murder, mutilation, trafficking, like... The judge would interrupt the guy like, guys, come on, get to the smoking gun. <laughs> Has he showed his penis in public? Well, well no. not really. OK, see, well, then you're wasting my time here. I mean, yeah, but this stuff, Your Honor, this stuff is pretty bad, isn't it? Joseph, you're, you're free to go. Just, you know, keep your dick in your pants and you'll be fine. But that is basically what we're saying. By making that transaction, isn't it? Like that guy's charity, raising awareness, trying to save lives. And then we're like, yeah, but no, 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 not now. Just just no, it's over. Like his his charity was bankrupt within a year. They had the most successful um, like online raising funds thing in history. Thirty million dollars or some shit. And because of that, it's like everyone's like, ah, I'm not fucking donating to that. <laughs> I mean, that is the power of the penis, really, isn't it? Like I'm. You know, I'm not trivialising how terrifying that must have been. If you were walking down that street, you know, and then you saw this apple pie American, naked, dick swinging, you know, screaming and doing gestures. Like, I would be, you know, and I'm a guy. Like, imagine how terrified you'd be if you were a woman walking down the street. Maybe you got your kids with you. Like, you'd be upset for sure. Must have been scary. But I'm just saying, if that's all it took for the Coney 2012 campaign to completely collapse. Like, yeah, we can't we, we can't do shit for those kids because this guy showed his genital. Like, that is power, guys. That is a win for feminism everywhere. And no, I'm not being facetious. I'm actually being honest here. Like, when we say that men have power, when we say there's a patriarchy, when we say men have privilege, in a weird as fuck warped and clumsy way 
this is kind of what I mean, you know? Like, all that guy had to do was get his dick out in San Diego and it decimated that campaign, no matter what the great intentions and urgency behind it. He's like, yeah, check out, here's my dick. Oh, well, that's all fucked then. Yeah, shut it down. And you know what, like, you know what lesson we can take from that that episode? Binfluencers and uh, cult members. You know what the takeaway from that one is? Is This is what happens when you go too viral, <laughs> I think. That's why I've worked, like, I, I don't know if any of you have, uh, have noticed, but this is why I've worked very hard to remain undiscovered and quite the opposite of viral. This whole time... You thought I was just shit and unengaging. Well, no. It's all very deliberate. <laughs> I don't want to explode. I don't want to blow up. I don't want to be like, you know, this sort of white hot, insta-famous, sail too close to the sun kind of guy. You know, and end up in the street waving my dick around in the streets of Farnham. or Something like. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm keeping my views and listens into the low thousands rather than the millions. That's fine with me. And I suspect my family also. I think that's the takeaway. Don't go viral. That is the overarching lesson from the Coney thing. I think not save the kids, not anything activisty or anything. Just if you get famous too quick, you might go nuts and whip it out. That's that's the lesson here. Here's a weird question, right? Do you think Coney is an industry term for when something goes too fast, too quick? Because it fucking should be, you know? Anyway, look, it's all a bit... It's a bit sad how that campaign ended up, isn't it? Like, imagine going from thinking you're a sort of, you know, a Jesus-like savior of enslaved kids or whatnot and then you know then you end up with a totally different reputation right on the opposite end of the you know savior and good v bad scales like it reminds me a bit of um you know of that meme that went around a while back i can't remember who it was mocking now um or even really what it what it said but <laughs> but it was something along the lines of it may be that the entire purpose of your life was just to serve as a warning to others. <laughs> There's something so dark, but yet relatable about that. Like, what if you die on a cliff that's really... And then because of you dying on there, then they erect a sign saying, don't go too close to the cliff. And then that saves like 2,000 lives. Like, it's bad for you. It sucks for you. But, you know, what if that's the whole purpose of your life? And it may be that the entire purpose of the Coney campaign, that guy's life, was to serve as a comedy reference point for the sales and marketing industries. I, I don't know. Like, you know, I imagine him going, oh, God, you know, I've ruined my life. It was all for nothing. And people would be like, are you kidding? Like, think, look at how much joy you've brought to everyone in the marketing industry. Like every fucking Christmas party, someone makes a joke in a speech about the Coney 2012 campaign. You have brought happiness to millions. Well done, Nigel, or whatever the fuck his name was. Anyway, how do, how did we get onto this? Fucking Coney. Up-to-date comedy references, eight. God, where could you get topical humour like this? Um, all right, yes, so the spy balloon stuff. 
So the US, Canada, and I think Mexico now, isn't it? Have now shot these things down. Like some of them are balloons, um, but some of them have been described as like about the size of a camper van or a four by four. And it's, it's weird, right? It is weird. These things, you know, flying up there, surveilling or scanning or listening in and, you know, and no one knows where they've come from yet. You know, it's all a bit mysterious. And there's stories, you know, this morning circulating saying that um, uh, that the US government haven't yet ruled out that it's aliens. So that's good. Fucking amazing. Good. Good job there, guys. That's another layer of, you know, oh, no, the world's ending, you know, to the layer cake of doom that we're currently all feasting on. Fucking, you know, Brexit, pandemics, climate change, Putin going nuts, the fucking possibility of China sending these things. But no, no let's let's throw aliens into the mix, too. Great. Fucking good job. Good job, lads. But right. Here's here's what gets me about that. Like, like I said on TikTok this morning on a live thing about this. Like, how weird... Like, do you remember the Alien movies, right, back in the day? And how, like, they were always set in the US. It was always, um, you know, an alien ship hovering over the White House or, um, you know, aliens arrive in Los Angeles, you know, in Alien Nation. And they infiltrate American society and, you know, and the X-Files, two FBI agents that investigate aliens in America. Like, like I always used to mock that stuff because it always felt like, you know, come on, guys. Like, are we are we seriously supposed to believe that these little green men, every time <laughs> they're just as insulated and, you know, tunnel visioned in American culture as America is. Is that why? <laughs> These aliens, like, like, they've got amazing technology. They've surfed the wave of wanderlust across the fucking galaxy. They want to seek out new life and new civilizations. But then when they get to Earth, <laughs> they, inhabit, they inhabit the same America-specific attitude as Americans, you know, they just beam down there and that's that. Like, that's good enough. We, you know, we could have landed in Bulgaria or a fucking village in Wales. But no, America, every time. These, these alien motherfuckers curiously traveling the galaxy. They land in the US and become American. Like, no interest in holding a passport or going further afield or, you know, it, they just adopt this sort of, you know, when in Rome, <laughs> trying to blend in. With America, like, throw away their alien passport and shit, like... And it's weird now, right? Because I, I guess my point here is that, you know, here we are in 2023 and these fucking, you know, E.T. balloons arriving... I was about to say everywhere, but they're not everywhere. They're in America, in North America only. <laughs> these fucking E.T. balloons. And the US government won't say if they've ruled out extraterrestrials or not. And I'll be almost gutted if it does turn out that literal aliens have come to Earth and they are just landing in America. Like, it would just feel like that whole time I thought I was, you know, better than Hollywood. Scoffing at Hollywood. <laughs> and it turns out they were fucking bang on. Do you know what I mean? 
there's something kind of really quite hollowing about that. Anyway, guys, uh, I've been ranting away now for like 50 minutes. Um, thank you so much for joining me, especially for these solo shows. Um, I'll be back on Friday night this week. I'm interviewing, uh, really excited about this, actually, uh, Ian Dale. I don't know who of you listen to this who might be aware of him, uh, but he's an LBC presenter. He's a conservative, which is going to be interesting. He's a former Tory candidate. I think he tried to get elected in Norfolk um, and was unsuccessful, but then he moved into a career in broadcasting. He runs a book uh, a bookshop, I think, like an online book ordering thing. Um, but I think he's a really interesting guy to listen to, uh, particularly on LBC. Uh, because he always comes off as uh, measured and reasonable and transactional. Like he listens to your point as a lefty and then responds in what I think is an articulate and, um, you know, considered fashion. And I think that's a really important thing to celebrate and to recognize because obviously we live in a in a time of tribal divisionism, for want of a better word. And um, and it's it's important that when you do get people on the right or the left who can actually have a conversation without resorting to parody and slogans and, you know, people who actually listen to what the other side is saying and let it swirl around in their brain before they respond in a way that is intelligent. I don't know. I, I'm just looking forward to, to having that conversation. So that's this coming Friday night, I think half past seven. Uh, Ian Dale from LBC and then I'll be back next week with another solo show thanks once again big shout out to all of the Patreons for continuing your support of the show if you haven't jumped on the Patreon yet it's patreon.com forward slash aid Thompson with an IN on the end there's two shows a week you get them two days before everyone else on Spotify and Apple plus you get first dibs on the London meetups and events like last Friday's <laughs>